0: All right, on an undergraduate episode of Why Wait Till Sunday, I'm here with Nate Marquise, that's at CFFNate from Twitter, Uh, and he is a perfect guest for our pod because he specializes in college fantasy of all kinds, uh, redraft, uh, even dynasty, and DFS. So after the intro, we are going to get into all things CFB fantasy in one moment. Hello, and welcome to Why Wait Till Sunday. I'm your host, Alfred, and I am here with a very special guest tonight. This guy's got it all, everything you could ask for. Longhorn fans are excited about Bijan Robinson, number five. This is a guy who comes in as the number one running back recruit in the country. Elite, elite, elite.
1: Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides
0: it. Keeps his balance, they're going to say step down. He's got tremendous upside. By Stevenson, a little bit of pressure as he launches it downfield. Touchdown Sooners, the breakout freshman,
1: Marvin Mims.
0: Oh, this is so confused on defense. Lane Kiffin was trying to get a tie-out. Instead, it's a first down. And it's a touchdown for Dukes. These might my play of the week. Smash potential here. That's what I'm saying. The royalty of college football is in assembly at the Rose Bowl 2006. So we are very excited to have Nate here, and uh, welcome to the show, man. How's it going?
1: Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, super excited, uh, specifically for this episode. A lot of my off-season kind of content, some of the interviews have been, honestly, talking to people who don't do, you know, kind of what we do in terms of uh, kind of getting into the college fantasy side uh, of fantasy football Uh, Whether it be C two C focused or DFS or any of that, um, and kind of convincing them or talking to them about like what would how you know how could you get into it, but I don't have to do that with you because you're you're already real deep into it. So you know why college football? How did that come about for you? I mean, it's um, something that you know you don't find every day someone who's into the college football fantasy so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, if you're if you're trying to talk somebody into it, send them my way. I would love to. uh... I'd love to uh, have a shot at their ear for a little bit, but yeah, I, I've been doing it for about 14 years or so. I want to say it was around 07 or 08. Um, me, some college buddies, uh, roommates, uh, back in Oklahoma just said, well, I mean, they, you know, we've got it for MLB, we've got it for NFL. Why can't we do this for, you know, the college side of things? And so, uh, um, one night I put together a spreadsheet on Excel and we got after it, uh, and, uh, it was, it was pretty brutal every Sunday morning, hungover, uh, trying to figure out who, uh, who won that, that, uh, that week, but, uh, you know, eventually CBS came along and then, uh, Fantrax came out with a pretty decent, uh, platform for us to be able to do it and make everybody's life easier. So, um, yeah, and ever since then, I've just been really involved in it and expanded to doing some more dynasty. Uh, and then recently, uh, best ball DFS has kind of been something I've, I've spent a lot of time on, um about, uh, I don't know, it was a handful of years ago, back when there there really weren't a lot of uh, CFF website options. I was a weekly uh, guest on a, on a podcast back then. Uh, and actually, that was the very infancy stages of DFS. And we talked about it a little bit, uh, but mostly redraft uh, type stuff we discussed. Uh, and then since then, I've just been uh, active in Twitter, trying to grow the the CFF landscape and and trying to, you know, just grow college fantasy football because it's, uh you know, it's what I'm passionate about and I like spending time talking about it.
0: Yeah, well, that that's an amazing story. So you actually, you know, you hear the stories about even fantasy baseball starting and I don't know where it was the, that that restaurant in like the 70s or 60s, I don't know, where they actually, you know, hand tallied stuff. So it sounds like that's what you were doing. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're that's... dedicated. You're you're an OG college fantasy football <laughs> guy, man.
1: It uh yeah, it certainly made uh it made my life so much easier whenever uh, a few platforms were established and 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 we could do that. But yeah, uh, uh, it was you know it was a lot of fun. We we back then there there was uh you know there was nothing. Uh, you know, there wasn't information out there, you know, so everything, everything we came up with or or what we decided on, who we drafted, who we picked up off waivers, there was no group think. There was no, no anything. We were just kind of running with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, no consensus, even right now. I mean, you know, that's why a quick plug for our website, campustocanton.com. But that's why we decided to put our website together because frankly, you know, there, and There isn't anything that focuses on college production in terms of week-to-week fantasy, at least not very well. Uh, And even in terms of thinking about these players and how they may project to the NFL, there's some websites, you know, I've seen them and, and they like, you know, they update in August and don't update again for the rest of the year. And so you're looking at guys who don't even, you know, who maybe were a good prospect uh, recruit but haven't done anything in two years and they're still on people's lists like no one's updating it or giving it the proper attention so um i still think that landscape has tons of room to grow but um yeah guys like you and and oh, there's that one account that that does all the flurry of injury stuff uh leading up to the noon kickoff yeah, uh, the yeah. ff fantasy I, I, or something like that
1: i can't imagine how busy that guy is
0: unbelievable i mean <laughs> it's a, and it's a lifesaver it's like i have to have that account like he's yeah. got people glued to it from 11 to 12 every single day or every yeah. single saturday yeah. um well that's very good so i, I want to you know you do all realms like you said you know redraft and they have even dynasty where you can keep guys i guess so year over year mm-hmm. and then yeah, when they yeah. go to the nfl they're just gone right yep okay so I haven't, I haven't personally delved into that. And then there's best ball. Is that new this year, or is that around last year?
1: Mm, no, we've been playing, we've been playing best ball for a few years. Uh, oh wow, that's
0: really cool. I didn't even. I mean, some of this stuff, the college specific side, uh, I actually am learning about right now. Um, and then, of course, DFS, which I got into. I mean, I've been playing DFS for years and years, but specifically jumped into college two years ago, and then last year took it a little more seriously in terms of. You know, week to week really trying to, you know, quote, grind the slates. So do you do anything in the off season to think forward? Um, or is it like, you know, might as well just wait until the slate comes out? Do you rethink your strategy or anything like that? What what do you have an off season process at all?
1: Um in regards to DFS, I mean most most of what I'm doing is is week to week, you know, is is trying to understand um you know, okay, what's the rumor mill on guys that might be potentially sitting out or injured uh, understanding what the, the weather, you know, is going to be like, and if it's going to play a factor in a, in a key game, that's got potential to be high scoring, you know, those types of things. Um, Some of the things that I've been looking at this off season, I I have been kind of looking at maybe revamping um, my strategy and just kind of how I go about um, more tournament play when it, when it, as it pertains to DFS, I, I, am somebody uh, that tends to grind quite a bit um, I, I tend to make most of my bankroll uh, each year that I've been doing it with some of the lower profitability games you know the 50/50 the heads uh, the the double ups and stuff like that and so um, kind of rethinking how I'm looking at at a you know the tournament play understanding that you know, it's it's not a computer essentially that I'm playing against. I'm playing against people and, and really trying to evolve the way that I'm thinking into, OK, is, you know, does the lineup that I'm putting together? What is it sealing? You know, if these guys hit and then, OK, is everyone else going to hit with this exact same lineup or something really, really similar to it, too? So trying to find that balance of uh guys that i like uh that i that i project to do really well that week but also understanding okay what's the ownership percentage and how is that going to play into um this particular thing because the margins are just so razor thin when it comes to the tournament play i mean the difference between ninth and 109th could be five or six points yeah Yeah. one one guy fumbling one guy fumbling or, or or you know um Cameron Harris getting stuffed at the one, and DeArt King's the one that gets to take it in, you know, right. something like that. That's literally the difference. So, luck plays a huge role into it, but still just trying to understand what's really that balance between guys I like and, um, you know, what the ownership percentage is going to be on some of those guys.
0: So, that's a great point about ownership percentage. I mean, there's so much content for NFL you can find projections for ownership. So what do you do on the college side? I mean, are, is, are there people kind of trying to put that out there or do you have your own system and you're guessing based uh, on over-unders and popular games and nationally televised games?
1: Right. As, as, as it is with most uh, colleges compared to NFL, there, there aren't nearly as many resources out there. Um, I, you know, there's, there's people out there like Mike Bainbridge and um, uh, you know, a handful of others that are, that are essentially, you know, saying okay here here's what I think are good values here's here's guys that I think could pop this week um, these are guys that are that are poorly priced by DraftKings or whatever the case may be yeah. um, and so I'm just kind of you know observing some of that stuff and and honestly you know I look at a lot of that as as where I'm going to kind of zag where others are 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 kind of soaking in some of that information and going down that direction so but yeah, not not nearly the the depth of info that you would have on on the NFL side,
0: right? Well, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of times I'll read, uh, you know, even on the NFL side or whatever, I'll read waiver wire articles just to see what the masses are are taking. And even though I have my own guys I prefer, and it's the same thing. It's like it's good to read and listen to any content because then you know who else everyone else is talking about. And if you don't hear anyone talking about a guy, you know, you can maybe assume he's going to be lower. Uh, you know, lower, lower roster ship. So uh, yeah, that makes uh, perfect sense. And was, Unfortunately, that's probably the best way we can do it. Cause like you said, uh, you know, there, I don't want to complain about there's no content because part of the reason I want to do more CF CFB college uh, or CFB DFS is because there's no content. So I think there's an edge. If you do your homework, there's an edge. If you're, you know, good, at it versus, you know, when Joe Schmo can just go pull up, you know, 16 podcasts and 54 articles uh, that say the same thing, who's good uh, play this week. So I think there's an edge because there's no content. Um, I, you know,
1: I, I would say, yeah, I, I totally agree with you in that. But I, I, I do think that I'm starting to see a change uh, there because of, you know, guys like you know, you and, and, and Colin and and, and uh, Austin and Felix, everybody over there at Campus Can, um, having your platforms now, uh, you know, guys at the Debbie Watch have been doing it for a few years mm-hmm. and, and Bangbridge and the CFF site. There's there are some options out there and people I, I can just tell over the last couple of years, the chatter on Twitter has really picked up um, and and people are engaging more on the college side. And not just from a Debbie perspective. Oh, Hey, I'm going to take a look at the film on this guy so that in five years I can add him to my (laughs) roster, you know? So, so I do think that it has picked up some and and I've seen a little bit of that growth. Um, But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I still think that there is an edge uh, for those that do a lot of research in the off season and, and really, um, you know, kind of highlight some guys that, that, that they're hearing or, or having really good camps or that the coaches are trying to talk up a little bit. And that kind of gives you an edge, especially in there's, I, I find the first probably three to four weeks of DFS to be really um, where I tend to make the most amount of money throughout the entire, you know, throughout the entire yeah. season.
0: Yeah. I mean, my buddy who does a lot of the NFL says, you know, the early part of the season is actually where you want to jump in because, you know, he's like halfway through the season, all the fish have lost their money and they don't want to play anymore. <laughs> and so then, you know, the, the later in the season, you kind of get more diehards. So, and this year could be interesting, like you're saying with everybody with there just there's a general churning and a buzz that you know maybe some more people that never played it before jump in this year the first couple weeks and so maybe you'll have some some noobs trying to try it out and so this year could be interesting and the next following years those first four weeks of the season could be very um, nice for some of us that have a little more experience, um, which leads us into experience. So one interesting thing about the college. You know, default lineup, at least on DraftKings, and I believe FanDuel is the same, uh, is Superflex. You know, and that's something that on the NFL side, they do not have uh, for your standard lineups. Yes, the, you know, the showdown slates, you can pick two quarterbacks, but for the standard slates, uh, you do not have two QB options. So there's a lot there, I think, just with that opening up, right? You can double stack a game. You can go both quarterbacks and multiple receivers from the same game. You could fade two quarterbacks and say there's not two I like. I did that a couple times last year, uh, saying there's just not two QBs I like. And you'll be different if you only have one QB and do a, a running back or something in the superflex. So how do you how do you deal with that?
1: Um, I I would say for for the most part where I do like a, a superflex double stack where I've got multiple Q, I got both QBs and then I've got receivers of both QBs. Uh, stacked together there is something I usually consider more in a, in a tournament style setup where if I if I miss on a couple, um, and I'm not going to cash screw it. I, I don't really care. But the, if I hit on both of them, especially if one of them does happen to be not a chalk pick, um, then I think it can be effective. I worry about it less in, in some of the lower profitability type games. Um okay. I'm, I'm really not as concerned in that situation. I'm, I'm just concerned more. Okay. I just need to find a way to accumulate points to put me in the top half um, versus I don't, I don't need to just, you know, strike and hit on every one of these particular picks. Uh, But yeah, I do think it can be effective. I I think that, you know, for instance, this year, um, if you're looking at like a, you know, a particular chalk set up with a couple guys like say Bryce Young and Mechie. And then you pair those with, you know, Georgia state's quad Brown and Sam Pinckney or something like that is just an example. Um, I, I think that there's opportunity there for sure.
0: Yeah. And it's a, certainly an interesting wrinkle that I really like. I mean, that's one of my most fun things is the fact that, you know, I think, uh, you know, the NFL side would be a, would would be good i think to do super flex but um yeah it's a really fun special component to the college side and last year i believe i was so close to like smashing a a tournament but i missed the double stack it was unc wake forest when that game just went absolutely bonkers and powell was high owned but Hartman wasn't. And he had like five touchdowns or something outrageous. Uh, And that double stack won the the tournament. So, uh, you know, very interesting things, but then you can be very different. Again, I play a lot of tournaments. I don't do a ton of of 50-50s in the college game because I feel like the scoring is so wild that I, and I could learn from you. I mean, I feel like it's hard to feel comfortable with a lineup that's going to be 50-50 because, the, the scores are just so high. Like you can just, you know, fade a game and not even realize it that goes 50 to 49 because college is just insane. Whereas the NFL, you can kind of be a little more calculated and say, I think this is a safe cash lineup. So I'd like to hear more about that. You know, you say you play a lot more 50 fifties and talk me off the ledge thinking it's so dangerous.
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, I just feel like with something like a 50, 50, um, if I can, if I can, against a just standard DFS player that probably hasn't done as much research as I have, I feel like I have a better shot at finishing in the top half, um, given given that scenario. So um, I feel like it almost takes a little bit of the luck out of it for me. Whereas in tournament play, I don't feel as confident in, in the fact that it always feel like I said, it's just razor thin margins and always feels like I'm if I'm one or two players away, I'm forever away from actually winning uh, the, you know, or being in the top three of the tournament or something like that. Uh, whereas I know if I'm one or two players away, if I'm doing one of those, you know, 50 50s or double ups, I'm still right there. And I feel like. Just my my overall knowledge gives me a little bit of an advantage in some of those other um, games where I can kind of grind away and build a little bit of a bankroll that that then usually ends up goes towards my tournaments, which I uh, have been less successful with.
0: Yeah, I mean it's certainly a lotto ticket for sure. Right. Uh, you know the tournament is it does a little more luck than than otherwise. Um, and so you know, do you have this is a little off script, but I'm just curious, do you have like um You know, a model or some kind of projection system or is this all kind of done by hand? Because you can't like again, they're they're in the NFL. You can buy models from fantasy labs and other places like that that give you the optimizer. But I don't know if people unless it's homemade. I don't feel like people have a CFB optimizer.
1: Uh, no, I, I don't have a model or anything like that. That sounds like something that uh, Andrew Katz would have. Uh, he, he's a big <laughs> DFS guy uh, on Twitter. Yeah. But he absolutely is not going to share it with you if he does have one. But right. Uh, no, I no, I don't have a model. It's it, it it's literally just uh, like I said, just kind of breaking down the the particular guys that I like, and then and then really just kind of weighing and saying, okay, am I going to be able to get a balance here, and and um, you know, with this lineup, is it going to have a chance to you know have have good profitability based off of what I think the ownership percentage is going to be on some of these guys.
0: Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's another reason why I kind of like college because, you know, unless someone hand builds something, there's, there's, you know, you just, it feels like a little more of a level playing field with the competition rather than, I mean, some of these NFL guys who, you know, just pour all week into like mathematical, you know, perfect lineups. And it's, you know, it's just harder to compete with that when I'm trying to just like, do this as a fun thing on the weekend. And I'm not making a living off of it, you know, but um, well, uh, so you touched on this a little bit, like the college football game seems to be growing. And I think there's a, a number of factors that go into why that might be the case. Uh, the growth of Dynasty and Devi in some areas, I think just the college game becoming more national, I think this stuff with name image likeness is going to make it more marketable and probably make it a more national game instead of just very regional, kind of as it is right now. What do you think is going on with the CFB market in terms of popularity, fantasy? Where do you see it going? It sounds like you're optimistic it'll get bigger.
1: Yeah, I am. I I would love for it to grow even fa- faster than, than, than it has been. Uh, just with the amount of, uh, of time that I put into to, to talking with people on, on Twitter about it. Um, I think last year was a poor representation of college fantasy football, just given uh, all the uncertainty with COVID. Um, the fact that there is a, a total uh, lack of, of transparency with injury reports and, and coaches are, are unbelievably difficult to get information out of. Um, and, and then Fantrax had a little bit of a scoring issue, uh, halfway through, uh, last year's season. So I think that was kind of a bad representation of what CFF is, but I think overall it is growing. And like I said, I think the biggest, the biggest growth area is the fact that people that, uh, were doing just Sunday or, uh, we're, we're diving into some Debbie have now really gotten into certain things like uh, campus to can. I think that if you love college football, and if you love NFL, it is the perfect, um, campus skin is the perfect dream scenario as far as blending those two. Um, I I'm like I said, I'm a big proponent of best ball. I do think that it's a gateway type of, of <laughs> format. And, you know, it, you can get these guys that don't want to do all that, you know, they want to play college fantasy football, but they don't want to grind through the week to week research of trying to find out which guys might be suspended, which guys might have an ankle injury that Mike Gunney's not going to talk about ever. Right. Um, and, and it allows you just to kind of draft it and quit it and then be done with that season. If you like it, then you can dive a little bit deeper the following season. I've been a big proponent. It's been, Um, You know, I I, I tweeted out a while back about what I think makes a successful college fantasy football uh, league and and how you can have uh, a lot, you know, less attrition, more uh, participation from from owners is one thing that I think is actually doing a best ball uh, lineup setup. So you you draft like normal, you do your transactions your your waiver wire transactions, your your trades like normal except where you don't have to set lineups on a weekly basis. And so it takes out the guessing game of um, of who's injured, who's not, and you don't have to worry. Nothing's more frustrating than getting that zero spot uh, late in the day because the Washington State quarterback isn't going to play that day and nobody brutal. knows about it until 10.30 at night. So yeah. uh, so I, I'm a big proponent of that. But, yeah, I think overall there there's growth, and I think it's going to continue to grow the more people get into Debbie and Campus Canada.
0: Um, the best ball CFF is that hosted, I would assume, by Fantrax, uh-huh. yep. right? Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to get in on some of those. Maybe if you if you do a league, I'd love to jump in. I have not done a best ball college side. I'd love to try that out this year. Um, all right, so we got some quick hitters now. Just on the college side, I want some of your predictions, your feel for for some of the you know actual teams and players that we're going to be dealing with this year. Um, so. Who's your favorite undervalued offense heading into 2021? Um
1: uh, I like I like Western Michigan this year. And there's you can really never go wrong with Maction. Uh, right. I, think I think they've got a lot of really, really nice pieces. Um uh LB showed he's a he's a good quarterback, 18 touchdowns, two picks, a handful of rushing touchdowns last year. I think Sky Moore is gonna really slide in that Dwayne Eskers role. I hope so. Jalen, uh, Jalen Hall's one of the better deep threats. Jefferson proved he's a workhorse. I just think they've got a lot of pieces to put up, um, a bunch of bunch points this year. Uh, Yeah.
0: Always a good time.
1: I I was gonna say, I'm also really interested to see, especially from a DFS standpoint, how they price out early on Western Kentucky with all the changes they had, the new air raid system, the guys coming in with the, with the OC that they're super familiar with. I, I I'm curious kind of how that's going to play out the first few weeks or one of the more intriguing offenses early on
0: oh man i will be all over western kentucky stack um but i mean it probably won't be on the main slate i guess if they play on a weeknight game right you know maybe they will be but i would love to go zappy and you know some of his receivers joshua simon oh gosh yeah that i've been a big like and it you know I do we do a lot of obviously c2c but like i'm still fine with zappy late in the c2c i think there's a chance he go, goes to you know has a big season goes to the senior bowl and then gets drafted i mean i i think he's legit i did a, a full-on you know hour-long film review earlier this off season and i think he's got a real live arm i mean i think he's he's not just some guy who was only doing the five wide you know air raid although Yeah, that is what they did. But I think he's got some real, real talent in that arm. Um, What about a uh, yeah a a P five underrated offense? I like
1: UCLA this year. I I like um, I like what Chip Kelly's done. They've gone from like like ninety fifth his first year in points scored, eightieth the second year, and the last year they bumped all the way up to twentieth. They're bringing back DTR, Britain Brown, Britain Brown, Charbonnet in the backfield, uh, Phillips. I mean they've they've got um Dolcic hell of a tight end. Mm-hmm. I just think they got they got a lot of really nice pieces and I mean Chip Kelly's got a system and he's got it down and they look to be rolling.
0: Yeah, I like that call a whole lot cuz UCLA, and they've been so trashy for a while and I think they could surprise some people. I really do. Um I am a bit of a sucker for. I know this is. I mean, I live in Atlanta, so it's kind of a homer pick. But I really like what Georgia Tech is doing. I think they could be very fun, um, at least from a fantasy perspective, especially with Jeff Sims and uh, Gibbs back there. And I like some of their receiving options as well. So um, I think this is. You know, I was talking about an off-season process, and I haven't necessarily like formalized this, but I do think it's worth thinking about. Some of the who do I like right off the bat, that's going to surprise people. And you can jump, you know, those first couple weeks and and have low ownership of some of these offenses that you like and everyone else might be kind of forgetting about until they show it. Uh, so I do think it's worth thinking through some of this stuff. So, um, all right, what program, you know, from a DFS angle, from an offensive production angle is going to disappoint? And you can go D5 or P5.
1: Um, I will – this this is gonna so so I'm an OU grad so this is gonna sound like homerism on on my part as well since since you just went Georgia Tech so I actually have concerns about Texas after watching the spring game I know everybody's really excited about Sark being there um, I get it his his track record's fantastic uh, the offensive line was terrible in that game uh, both quarterbacks uh, looked really rough I know that Card's got the talent. I don't think he has a pocket presence yet, which is going to be a problem if that offensive line struggles. So I think if, if whichever quarterback gets the nod and apparently Sark uh, said today, the one that's going to get the nod is just going to be uh, the one that he just feels like at the time, or he's just going to shoot from the hip is what he, what he was saying. It was kind of a weird way to put it. Yeah. Um, you, you pay him $8 million just to, just to throw a dart apparently. But um whoever gets the nod, if they, if they don't, you know, get it together, then that's really going to affect some of those other weapons they got with Bijan and and Whittington and, and, and more and Amari and all those guys. So that, that, that little bit of concern there.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that's very warranted. You know, I, just all the news coming out of Texas in the spring that they, you know, classic cliche, you have two QBs, you don't have any. And, You know, no one taking a step, no one establishing leadership uh, under center. I'm a little worried about Texas as well. I mean, you just everyone assumed it would be card, obviously, but like Thompson's there and now they have this weird battle. And I think that's bad for a team. Honestly, I don't know why coaches do this. Like just name a guy because quarterback develops the identity of the team even you know just pick a guy and so the team can kind of rally i think it's it's just never really great i think to do it this way but
1: oh, avoiding transfers that's every coach is terrified of the battery.
0: that makes sense that's, that's yeah well, that that's sense. really it yeah well and this and now that you can just leave with no strings attached i mean uh it is what it is but like yeah i don't know you you can't worry about the second string guy transferring i mean you okay. got to do what's best for your starting you know 7 or 11 but Anyway, I think that's a pretty good call, and I think, you know, again, thinking ahead, week one, week two, fading Texas because everyone's going to be all excited about Sark coming off the Bama year last year. You know, uh, could be beneficial. All right, breakout freshman. You know, you can give me multiple positions. I know I said any position. If you have a couple, I'd love to hear them because that's always a fun thing to talk about.
1: Yeah. Um, so flip side to Texas, I, I, I don't think. Um, I would have, if you'd asked me this question two months ago, this would not have been my answer, but um, Mario Mario Williams at Oklahoma, uh, you can't deny the fact that the coaches have just been talking him up all spring, and then they backed it up by, he went out there and actually started the spring game. Uh, I know Theo Weiss is hurt, um, and, and Hazelwood still, apparently, is still trying to recover from last year's knee injury. Um, a lot of people think that that those were major roadblocks for him to get playing time early. I don't think so. I actually think I can see them running Mims, Williams, and even Mike Woods out there quite a bit together. Um, and if you've got, you know, the wider, even the wide receiver two for Oklahoma early on, I mean, this guy's going to be a day two uh, pick. I mean, he's just been, he's been pretty dynamic. Um early on so but yeah those i would say he's he's the one that tends to stand out the most for me um i don't know give me give me a couple guys that you you're thinking maybe i'll think of uh of uh, a running back or quarterback here that kind of pops in mind
0: yeah yeah sure um i mean mario williams to me is a great one uh that is a good pick and and you're right i think the initial thing was always going to oklahoma they have a million wide receivers but when you break it down they they kind of you know not necessarily have a million and some of them are injured and, and some of them are gone from the team you know bridges unfortunately so and he he had some of my favorite film you know the high school tape watching him uh out of florida those they just they just have so many receivers come out of florida anybody does um but I like that a lot. I think he's very exciting. You know, total chalk here, but what Paul did at Bama in the spring game uh, and, and just asserting himself right away, that's very exciting. Uh, you've got the young guy's connection between him, Bryce Young um, and Hall just coming in and already connecting. I think that's super exciting. Um, a super deep guy. And maybe for, uh, you know, is going to be relevant on C uh, DFS is Xavier Coleman. He's a guy I wrote about way back in like January because his tape was very, very impressive. Um, you know, his high school stuff, he just looks so dang fast. And I was like, he's going to Boston College. They don't have a lot of athletes. They have Zay Flowers and that's about it. And he looks dynamic. And then their other running back, Bailey or whatever, transferred and he stinks anyway. But like, I'm like, they don't have a running back. He's a little smaller. But then in spring, he apparently stole the show. And like coaches are saying, he is going to be a major part of this offense, you know, right away. So that's very exciting because I think he brings flash, you know, from the backfield that they just don't really have.
1: Yeah, I I was actually just uh, uh, looking at a list of some running backs I had here, and Xavier Coleman was one that really stood out to me. I was going to say he he really made a splash uh, yeah. in the spring, so it's hard to it's hard to deny him. You know, as far as some quarterbacks, I, I've I've tweeted about this a number of times. I honestly don't think uh, we we may not see any true freshman quarterbacks start Week One uh, this year. There's just not uh, a lot of openings. A lot of the elite guys went to some spots where they're either with a coach that isn't um, much yeah. of a risk taker that tends yeah. to be tends to go on the conservative <laughs> Notre <side>. Dame, <clears throat> Notre, right. Dame. Notre, Notre Dame Notre Dame it comes to mind Michigan comes to mind so there, there's a couple of them out there um, so you know not a ton of quarterback play that I see early on where the true freshman is going to get some run one that since you gave a, a, a deep running back I'll, I'll give uh, maybe a, a little bit deeper one too that's not getting a whole lot of talk right now is uh Demir Collins over to Oregon State. Ooh.
0: Um
1: I know very deep cut. Yeah. So they they obviously have a really good track record of what they're doing with running backs. Um and and the fact that there's opening there now and he is a he is a four star guy. He was a low four star guy. He's on the smaller side. I wanna say he's only like five, eight, 190. eight, one ninety, don't quote me on that, but he, he's he's a little bit of a smaller guy considered all purpose back. Uh but his film looks nice. Uh and there's opportunity there. So um that's one that I would kind of take a look at um that that could be a play for DFS um, you know, those first few weeks that maybe other people aren't looking at.
0: Yeah, very nice. Very I mean, I I pride myself in knowing all the names. I don't think he was one on my radar. So thank you for that, because that's that's very deep cut. Um and Oregon State might be a, a sneaky like plucky little like quality team i mean i think people usually think of oregon state as a total pushover but um i've heard some decent things about you know their season last year was actually you know everything in the pac-12 was a disaster but um with covid but i think they they are building a little something in oregon state maybe um all right So a sophomore riser uh, that kind of, you know, didn't necessarily explode as a freshman, but you still think could make a big run. I kind of gave an example in the show sheet here, like a Traylon Burks who was quiet, but sneaky good in freshman year. And then obviously went nuts last year. Now everybody knows his name.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to totally regret doing this because I have a, a best ball draft coming up, uh, next, starting next week. And I know the guys in this league are, are definitely going to try to snipe, uh, but this, this one's easy for me. It's Dwayne McBride over at UAB. Um, I am a huge, huge fan. And, and I'm actually, like I said, I'm tired of pumping uh, sunshine for this guy because he's gone from his ADP when we first started doing mocks a couple months ago. He was going around 10, 11, and now I've seen him go as early as around 6. So, um, you know, that's a workhorse job. Spencer uh, Spencer Brown had that one for a number of years. Dwayne McBride's better. Uh he's more talented. He's a he's a much better athlete. Um, so I think he will uh, put up, you know, big numbers with two hundred and fifty plus carries potentially there at UAB.
0: Oh wow, that's a great one. So again, first couple of weeks, if UAB's on the slate, everybody. Just Dwayne McBride, don't even think about it. You know, he's probably gonna be priced almost near the minimum as a true freshman. So Uh, that's, or no, I guess a sophomore riser. So still, but a guy who didn't get anything last year because Spencer Brown was the workhorse. So yeah, I love that looking at teams that routinely do give just workhorse role. I mean, that's what you want. So, um, my, my guy is, uh, I really, I'm still want Jalen Hyatt to be a thing. I love that guy. I think he's so good. And, uh, you know, with Heupel's offense, maybe we will see it. Uh, but there's a number of guys at Tennessee that could kind of pop. I'm still betting on Hyatt myself. Um, Heisman favorite. Love to talk about this. Give me your favorite. And then a super sneaky dark horse.
1: I'll go with Bryce young. Um, you know, I, I think it really comes down to three guys, young Rattler and DJU. I think that you're going to have to be in contention. I'm not sure that, that JT Daniels be able to put up the numbers. So I like Bryce young in this scenario. Um, as far as my dark horse, I already mentioned him as an offense that I think is really, really trending in a good direction, and that's uh, DTR Dorian Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I would like to say somebody like Desmond Desmond Ritter. I don't know that G five is going to get the votes, but I think that DTR could maybe swing a lot of those West Coast votes, and and maybe they make the New Year Six Bowl or something like that
0: yeah i mean if he goes crazy and puts that team onto their back and they're knocking on the you know they're knocking on the playoff if they go like you know 11 and one or something like that who knows i agree i actually got into a little bit of a uh discussion on twitter th- earlier this week i believe because i i mentioned ritter as a super dark horse uh, heisman vote uh you know to bet on uh, on him and you know people were like no g5 no way no way and i was like well yeah that's why you're gonna get ridiculously good odds but right. There is a pathway that I can see and that's if they go undefeated and become like the first G5 team to crash the playoff. You know, if that happens, the narrative is, and he, and he goes off, you know, has, you know, 50 touchdowns or who knows what, like, that's the narrative. That's what would have to happen. Now, obviously you're getting crazy odds because maybe it's never happened before, but to me, Heading into the season, this is a G5 team with a QB that there is a, a, a conceivable pathway, I think, because they, they probably have a decent playoff chance as good as any other G5 team in recent memory.
1: Wouldn't it be the worst if you're holding that Ritter ticket and they do exactly what you say and uh, Ohio State also goes undefeated and he's end up splits votes with Stroud or something like that. And that's the <laughs> only that's the only thing keeping you from cashing that ticket. That would be the worst.
0: So bad. I mean, yeah, you just you'd have to really have um, have diamond hands there to not try to sell it or flip it to somebody else or something. I don't know, but uh there's a conceit i may even do it i don't know what the odds are it's, they're probably very very high uh very huge odds you know i'm sure because g5 guys don't win the heisman but yeah um all right did you say a dark horse for you yeah, oh yeah who did you like as far as your favorites yeah i mean i guess ritter's ritter's my my dark horse if i would want to say that uh, i mean you got to pick a quarterback although i know devonta just won but I think I I think Rattler. You know, I just that's so chalky, but like he's the odds-on favorite, and I think Oklahoma is going to kind of go nuts on offense this year. Um, I think last year, you know, people kind of dog on Rattler a little bit because he didn't go hyper scoring last year, but it's the first time that offense has not had like a fifth-year, fourth-year quarterback transfer in the last three or four or five years since they've been so good. There's a true sophomore or a redshirt freshman, whatever, second-year guy. I think there's a decent chance that, you know, Riley reined it in a little bit, and they didn't need him to go crazy. Their defense picked it up in the second half. They didn't have to score 100,000 points a game. Um, I just think he's super good, and I think they're going to let him a little more loose this year. Uh, And, you know, now Eric Gray, super dynamic out of the backfield. But you know all this. I'm just telling it for my listeners. I Obviously, you know that depth chart like the back of your hand um, but yeah I, I just think chalky chalky rattler that's not um, anything too controversial yep uh, all right so let's see a team looking ahead where you think they'll be that that beautiful perfect storm for DFS uh, a team with a good offense and a trash defense and every single time you can just lock them in for the over under the week
1: Um. So th-
0: you have to go, it, you have to go P5 here. Cause every G5 team pretty much yeah, is no that you know, no every doubt. math game.
1: A- absolutely. Yeah. So I, the, the, the blueprint to this in my mind is Ole Miss what they did last year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so if, if I can spot a team that I think has a lot of very similar characteristics to what Ole Miss was last year at this time, and you touched on them earlier. I actually, this, I, I, this sounds stupid, just saying it out loud, but I actually think it's Tennessee. Um, Tennessee is going to be a wretched, ugly mess of a defense with all of the defections.
0: Guys, that they have. Yeah. Guys leaving. Yep.
1: They've got a new coach in that's going to actually breathe some life into that offense that hasn't had any life in a number of years on a prude. So, um, and, and Heupel's shown that he can be pretty effective in year one, uh, as he's bounced around and, and started over a number of programs as the OC or the head coach. Um, they've got some QB options. They looked really good in the spring game, like I said, because their defense looked, looked atrocious. So, um, yeah, I think it's one of those ones where they'll, they'll find themselves down early and Hypel won't quit. He's just going to chuck it all over the field. So I think that they could be one of those.
0: I love that call. That is fantastic. And everyone's going to hold their nose or just not even pick Tennessee players probably, but that could be, you know, a market advantage. I think that's, that's great. You're absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more. They're going to be trash on defense. (laughs) Um, So bad. And, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know when the game is, but like a Tennessee, Kentucky stack, whenever that game comes along could be very nice. Uh, and, and probably I'll just, even right now, I can tell you that that game will be low ownership because Tennessee, Kentucky, you look at that and you go, oh, gross, but that could be like a 50, 50 game. Uh, no problem. I think because Kentucky, I'm kind of like, I kind of like that offense a little bit. Um, you know, as, at least as a sneaky, you know, under, under thought, uh, offense, Well, that's great. I love the Tennessee call. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, You know, for everyone listening, he's what? CFF Nate, right? Yep, at CFF Nate. At CFF Nate on Twitter. Uh, Unfortunately, he does not have you know, anything else, website or anything that you can get, but you follow him on Twitter and and he'll chop it up with you. Uh, Obviously knows a ton about the game that we really all like here. Uh, And, you know, I'd love to have you back on, you know, when we're grinding in the season and and talk about some of the slates. That'd be awesome, man. Anytime. All right, dude. Well, take it easy. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to Why Wait Till Sunday.